Hello, <clears throat> hello, and good day to all you average men and women listeners out there. I hope I'm talking to somebody. I hope I'm not just here rambling to myself. Um, but yeah, good day. How are you all? Uh, it is Sunday. What's the date? Sunday, the 14th of October. Um, back up at the lookout in my car, looking out over the ocean, which is just all green and chopped up. So it's been windy as balls here. Uh, the last few weeks really and just sort of peaking out this weekend too so I'm looking out there's heaps of there's um, some windsurfers cranking out over it uh, uh, at the point here in front of me so um, spore bank that's about that's about the only people out there doing anything at the moment you wouldn't be out fishing unless you really were you know maybe somewhere tucked away keen, uh, tucked away and if you're really keen I wouldn't be out there fishing just for a bit of fun though um it's pretty shitty weather but i mean at least it's, it's keeping the heat away it's keeping the flies and the midges down it's nice in the evenings sit outside and have a have a drink and a chat like me and the missus did with the kids last night and there's no midges hanging around so that's good for that and i'm sure the wind will drop off soon enough and the heat will come in for real so soak it up while we can i suppose um just quickly i'd like to run over things i'm going to try and um improve on over the last few weeks. Uh, this was a, a sort of running theme in the first few episodes uh, that I put out and it seems to, uh, I kind of have dropped, stopped addressing it in, of late and I just thought I'd bring it up again. I feel like the last few episodes have been a bit of a drop off um, in like my preparation and with any direction of them. So I just want to try and be a little bit more prepared and, and, and slightly more structured in these podcasts and I mean, I'm still on a massive learning curve, so, you know, it's going to go up and it's going to go down. I'm going to see things that were, are, are working, things aren't working. I've dropped off here or, or something's, um, uh, I think, is good and needs to be continued. So I'm just going to, yeah, try and make sure I come in a little bit more prepared in the future. I'm still trying to find that sweet spot of, of having it free-flowing, but making sure that I've, I've got some structure so I'm not just rambling on about nothing. Uh, I'll do my shout-outs quickly, as always. I'd like to shout out to PCC Productions, the audiovisual visual specialists servicing the Pilbara. Catch them on Instagram and Facebook. Also, I'd like to shout out to Two Way Hire Services. They're a Perth-based company providing two-way radio equipment and services, and they're more than happy to help you and your business up here in the Pilbara, or for personal use with your four drives or uh, whatever you want, whatever you might need a two-way um, radio for. So, get hold of them on uh, Facebook or Instagram, and Ross will be more than happy to sort you out. Also, another shout-out goes to, as always, Shafted Spearfishing, Luke and Zam, a local spearfishing crew with a ton of great pics and videos on Instagram and Facebook pages. You can also get their merchandise through the through either the links on either of those pages. I think they've got YouTube clips up as well. And I believe their new hoodies have recently dropped, as I <laughs> said last week, just in time for summer. So, but go and, and grab a grab, you know, some of their look, some of their videos and pictures and if you're interested grab some of their merchandise which like and share their page whatever just support the local crew anyway and also last but not least shout out to Captured by Carlos um, he's a local photographer uh, who's done a fair bit of travelling around the world he's been on the podcast before he is an average man alumni and he just does great photos of obviously where he, wherever he travels around the world and a lot of really great photos here in the Pilbara, um, aerial shots, normal landscape shots. He's just a, 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 a real uh, 
He's a real honest, down-to-earth guy who's who's full of passion and just loves getting out and, and experiencing the world and trying to tell the story through his lens and um, be a conduit for what he sees in the world and how he interprets it. So I really like what he does. Get in onto his Instagram or Facebook or YouTube page and check out what he does. Like, share, and I'm still going to try and hass him out to get some merchandise out. He needs to get some shirts and some stickers made up so we can start repping for him around town. But yeah, captured by Carlos. Go check him out, man. Uh, he's a top dude and he's really good at what he does as well. So, <clears throat> moving on from that, um, I just want to quickly cover some current events, being that this is a local-based podcast. And when I say current events, it's more like lack of at this time of the year. So we've kind of just finished up our um, busy period for all our um, the local events and entertainment and things like that around town. We've had the Northwest Fest, the Marble Bar Cup. I know Oktoberfest is still coming up. Um, we've had the, the, the uh, I can't remember what they called the fate down here. The, there was a fair here a couple of months ago. A um, bunch of smaller bands and comedy shows and all that kind of thing have been on, been going on and been through town and it seems to be wrapping up a little bit. There will be some um, events spotted throughout the, the uh, summer as well. But just that main season where the weather's beautiful and um, uh, not too hot and people get out and, and amongst it, that, that kind of main period seems to have passed us by now so it's a little bit quiet on that front. I don't have a whole lot to promote or to, um, yeah, to, to inform you guys about at the moment I mean they had the final uh, West End markets last night down at the art gallery there I think they had some pop-up bars and live music and, and things like that and we were sort of planning on going but it just turned out that we needed a, a bit of a down weekend the, the family we've had a few um, <clears throat> the build up to Bali and then Bali and my parents being here and then we we're out again last weekend with the UFC um, so it's just been a a big few weeks three or four weeks for us so I thought we just needed a bit of a downtime this weekend and no one was kind of feeling it yesterday so we just chilled out stayed at home hung out with the kids watched some videos crap like that so we didn't actually get down and check it out which would have been nice but that's the last one of those for the season which I guess means for the year um, I think in current events the Esplanade which is you know maybe a few months back uh, uh, I believe the Esplanade the train and the Provador have all been bought by BHP and um, uh, looks like they're under some new management now uh, there was a bit of a write-up how they got a new chef in town and I think the, the person running it has is, is got a bit of experience with um, restaurants and hotels and things like that globe, uh, you know, around the world and around the country and they're going to be having some a few changes like uh, I'm not sure if there's changes to the menu but there'll be changes in the way uh, the way they're, they're running things and the entertainment there I think there's going to be some entertainment there on Friday nights and Sunday afternoons and hopefully a little bit more pride and care taken in in just the way they run things there and they can get some people in the door because I think that the Esplanade is a really good spot, especially if you're there on a Sunday afternoon sitting out in that grass area. You can have some music, a few good beers, you know, and if the food's on point and the service is on point and they're making an effort to get people through the door, that's good news. That's a good spot to be. And hopefully some of the other spots around town can follow suit as well. It's always good to see when uh, uh, a venue here has a crack and tries to get people in the door and I just think that, yeah... It'd be good to see it reciprocated by uh, us, the people, the punters, going along to, to experience it. So um, hopefully that pans out, and I'll probably get down there next weekend when, we, when my mother-in-law's in town. We might go down there Sunday, and uh, hopefully the weather, the wind eases off a little bit for us, so it's a nice afternoon, and we can get out there and go experience it firsthand. Um, other current events would be, I'm supposed to be going on... Um, Spirit FM 94.1 to have a chat with David Eckhart one morning this week. He hasn't got back to me with a date, 
So I will harass him uh, tomorrow and try and see if I can get a day locked in, but I don't have anything to announce on the podcast right now. As soon as I know, I'll put it up on the Instagram page and Facebook page. And yeah, I mean, hopefully, really it's for people who don't listen to the podcast anyway to um, hear me and get some exposure and hopefully I can get them interested in what we're, what I'm doing over here and, and bring some more listeners over. So if you're already listening to the podcast, I mean, the only reason you'd want to hear me on on Spirit FM is just to have a bit of a laugh. So, <laughs> But yeah, so um, hopefully you can get that sorted out for this week. It's a good week for me. It's a slower week. I can take a morning off work and go down there and have a yarn with him and yeah, hopefully bring some more um, listeners over. I was going to say eyeballs and then I was thought about saying earballs and then I just thought I'd say listeners. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully we can get that happening this week and um, yeah, but I don't have any dates, a day to, to announce right now like I hope, I hope that I would. Um, so just quickly before I move on, I want to do a bit of a recap of the um, the UFC last weekend. Obviously I did a, a big pre-fight uh, show last uh, Saturday night, just went over the whole drama of the lightweight division, the characters involved, uh, how I thought I, the fight could go, and then obviously how it all panned out and the madness that ensued. So, okay, we had the co-main event was Anthony Pettis versus Tony Ferguson, Anthony Pettis being the, an ex-champ, Tony Ferguson being one of the top contenders, probably next in line for a title shot, and that was an awesome fight, man, really good fight. Um, it got stopped after the second round because uh, Pettis broke his hand and his corner threw the towel in. But up until then, it was a real battle, back and forth. Tony Ferguson was definitely winning the fight, but there were some great back and forth exchanges. Both guys were just covered in blood. There was, you know, they were laughing throughout. There's a great picture of Anthony Pettis on top, landing some ground and pound on Ferguson with his tongue out, sticking out, look, looking up into the sky like a, like a madman. Um, Tony Ferguson looked absolutely great jumping around, dancing around like he does, being a weirdo, just going, pushing forward, pressing the uh, pushing the pressure, and just a, a, just a wicked fight, really. Um, and definitely staked his claim as one of the best lightweights in the world, and if we lived in a fair world, he would definitely be uh, up next for the title shot. But we'll get to that in a minute. The main event was Khabib Nurmagomedov, the lightweight champ, 27-0, undefeated versus Conor McGregor, the first two-weight divisional champ in the UFC, obviously a complete global superstar and one of the best lightweights and fighters we've ever seen also. Now, <coughs> as for the fight, it was a good fight, went for four rounds. Conor McGregor ended up getting tapped out via re-naked choke. It was kind of more of a, a chin, uh, like a, a facial squeeze. They kind of had his chin locked in and it kind of crushes your face and you're more, more like you're going to break your jaw than get uh, choked unconscious, but that's what he tapped out to. But up until that point, there was some ups and downs in the fight and all the McGregor haters, who there's plenty of, and they've all come out of the woodwork since this fight, but they would all like to just write it off as a complete uh, smashing domination. He got absolutely owned, um, smashed on the feet, smashed on the ground, tapped out in the fourth. It's not quite true. Well, it's not true at all, really. Although Khabib did win the round, did win the fight. Obviously, tapped him out and was in control of most of the fight and beat him handily. That's that's, that's straight up. We've got to say that from the beginning. That is true. However, Conor McGregor had his moments and he had a game plan that was being implemented um, before that round four where he got worn out and submitted. So the, the, ga the game plan was, as his coach said on the Joe Rogan Experience on Monday, um, <clears throat> Tuesday, sorry, Monday in the States, Tuesday over here, the game plan was to ride out those first couple of rounds, let Khabib do his work. They knew they were going to get taken down. The plan was to mitigate uh, damage, not to expend too much energy 
and just really let Khabib tire himself out a bit, start going to work in the third and fourth. First round, Connor spent most of the round on his back, um, and Khabib really did nothing. He, he got himself up against the fence, really mitigated any damage, any attack. Uh, it was a bit of a stalemate the whole round. It's a round to Khabib because he was on top, but he really landed no damage and expended a fair bit of energy. So that is a win as far as their camp was concerned. That was the plan for round one. And if you couldn't knock him out straight away on the feet, you're going to go. you get taken down more than likely and just avoid spending too much energy or getting any damage. Round one went the way they thought it probably would. And then round two came along. There was some exchanges on the feet and McGregor got clipped by an overhand right. So... This is where people are saying he got beaten on the feet as well, which is not just, again, just not true. He got hit once by a good overhand right, recovered fairly well, but then got taken down and there was some ground and pound, which was also fairly well uh, avoided by McGregor. But you could write it off as he got smacked on the feet, taken down and just panned it out for the rest of that round um, if you wanted to. But the truth is there was some back and forth on the feet. McGregor landed a few shots. Khabib, shot for a, uh, Khabib faked for a takedown and threw the overhand right, which is a wrestler's uh, striking staple so a lot of wrestlers will do that they shoot for the takedown you have to react to the takedown and they throw the overhand right over the top Connor's, Connor's mistake for being there and for not seeing it coming not being quick enough with his reaction got caught by it got staggered back recovered pretty good Khabib then capitalized on the, the moment took him down and ended up getting him in the corner where he was raining down just a, a flurry of blows McGregor covered up for 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 the whole time, moved his head, and when you watch it, he really didn't get hit very much. He looked like he's just getting in the corner, getting smashed. Khabib punched himself nearly out, and punched a lot, and hit McGregor only a couple of times. And when Connor got up, he was smiling and laughing, walked back to his corner. Again, they weren't too fussed about that. That was that's fine. He didn't really get hurt. Fight didn't get stopped. Yeah, you lost the round, but but Khabib spent a lot of energy. Come out in round three, and this is what nobody wants to talk about. Khabib Nurmagomedov lost the first round he's ever lost in his 27 uh, victories against Conor McGregor in round three. He got, um, you know, really got pieced up on the feet. He he got kneed and kicked, punched. Really um, didn't do much in the way of takedowns. Didn't land any of his own offense. It was really Conor McGregor's round. On all, all judges scored it for Conor McGregor. All professional analysts scored it for Conor McGregor. The haters don't want to talk about that. They just want to skip that whole round and move on to round four. where And even though it was Conor McGregor's round, he probably didn't, didn't do enough with his moment. That was his moment. That's where he really needed to turn on his, his power, his flair, his movement. And he kind of, he just didn't have that snap to him, which may come down to having two years off from the sport. Maybe they had a, too much of a defensive mindset. Not sure what happened there. Maybe he just couldn't put Khabib away. But he did, he, that was his moment. That was his time to really take take the fight and do some damage and get Khabib's respect and even though he won the round he, he didn't do enough um, in hindsight. Round four came out it was a little bit back and forth McGregor getting some shots off on the feet then got the takedown and that's where he got in trouble he got caught in the corner eventually Khabib took his back put that crusher of a, a um, rear naked choke on and, and McGregor had to tap. So Khabib undisputed, and I'm, I'm actually a Khabib Nurmagomedov fight, uh, fan, so anyone that knows me and, and has listened to me previously knows I'm a massive fan of his, so I'm not just uh, uh, um, a McGregor diehard that that's, just wants to see things from one point of view and can't handle that he lost. He lost, man. He lost the fight to the better fighter, um, the better fighter that night, anyway, and Khabib is a, a complete beast. He is the best lightweight uh, on earth, and you could now call him the greatest lightweight of all time. 
that could change in the next couple of fights. We'll see how he goes getting from 27 to 30. They're going to be the real tests for him. There'll probably be a rematch with McGregor in there somewhere also. He has to fight Tony Ferguson before we can call him that. But he's, he's definitely on the precipice of being the greatest lightweight of all time. Not a hater. I love the guy. I love his fighting style. I just find Conor McGregor more interesting. I find him more dynamic to watch. I like watching his fight style better. I like his swagger. And I find the matchups for him if he wins and, and, and has a couple more fights more interesting. That's purely my stance um, as uh, going for Conor McGregor in this in this match, and also I just I just have to be honest about it because there's so many uh, so much hate, so many people gloating, and I just um, I got to just address that and, and, and even it out and say, hey, come on, it was a contest, it was a good contest. Yep, Khabib Nurmagomedov won. Conor McGregor did, did Conor McGregor didn't get just shut down, owned. I saw people writing like a professional um, MMA journalist writing that. He was, he was quiet and meek in defeat and he was apologising and, and showed his true colours. And it's just not it's just not true, mate. It's, yeah, it was a fight. He lost the fight, had his moments, didn't capitalise. The better man won on the night. That's it, mate. Let's move on. I don't understand why people act like they did something amazing last weekend. All these people, keyboard warriors, people doing whatever, nothing with their life, doing the same shit they did last week, act like they did something and they somehow uh, are a better person now because Khabib beat Conor McGregor. I just don't get it. I was there when Ronda Rousey got knocked out by Holly Holm in Melbourne and the roof blew off the stadium and all the haters just came flying out. They were screaming. I saw 12-year-old girls there with their mums who had people run up and scream in their face because they were wearing Ronda Rousey shirts. Suck shit. Sucked in. Ah, laughing in their face. This was going on on the streets all night and, and throughout the, the, the arena. I've seen it when Daniel Cormier got knocked out by John Jones. People going online laughing, gloating, like they're so happy that he got knocked out by John Jones. And I just don't get it. You can like someone, you can love an athlete or a fighter and go for them and root for them without hating their opponent, without gloating when someone else loses. And I wrote it on one of the forums that I'm, I'm on with a bunch of mates on Facebook and they're all been rubbing in, well not all of them, but two of them specifically have been rubbing in this defeat all week and I know a lot of what they're doing is just to cheer me up but I see the things they're saying to me mirrored on other forums and, and chat rooms and, and, and sites online by people who actually mean this sort of thing like they hate Conor McGregor suck shit so happy he lost he's a loser he's a pussy all these memes going around and people do what they do memes are funny as well but I just don't understand why people gloat like they did something uh, a man, uh, a modern-day warrior, lost in hand-to-hand -hand combat in an octagon, fighting in his underwear in front of millions of people, putting his reputation and his health on the line. He lost in fair and square combat, and people want to laugh and gloat about that. It just seems weak to me. That's just my opinion. I don't see why we have to degrade someone, the, the man who lost. He lost a fight. He already lost the fight. That's it. Move on. Be, be proud and happy of the, the, the guy you support. And... Um, doesn't have to be about hating someone and, and bringing someone down. I just, I just, I just never understand that. I never understand people screaming in the face of a 12-year-old girl and her mum because they're wearing Ronda Rousey shirts and she just saw a hero get knocked out unconscious. And now we have to laugh in her face. Like, what the fuck is that? Anyway, that's my opinion. It's my point of view. And the fight was overshadowed by the melee, melee, melee. How do you say that? How would you say that word? Melee. The, the melee. Anyway, there was a brawl after the fight, sparked by Khabib Nurmagomedov himself, who was upset about a bunch of shit that Conor McGregor had said in the build-up to the fight, and one of his cornermen uh, was mouthing off in the crowd after the fight. Khabib runs, jumps the cage, does this iconic, um, f like, uh, 
two feet jump into the crowd, which has been photographed, and you'll see all over the internet now. It's going to be, it's going to follow him around the rest of his career, and it's going to be a positive as soon as the, uh, as soon as everything dies down a little bit. But he jumps two feet off this off the edge of the cage into the crowd, and starts attacking another member of Conor McGregor's camp, and then three Russian dudes jump in the cage and start swinging on McGregor while he's not looking. McGregor's swinging on one of them, and this is an all-out brawl, basically broken out on the side of the cage and inside the cage, and. People have been fired from the UFC. Contracts have been cancelled. Dudes were dudes were arrested. There's, um, Khabib's purse has been held. There's investigations going on. All this crap, man. And I listened to a bunch of podcasts and, and read a bunch of articles and everything discussing it all this week. It was all been going. I'm actually kind of over it to be honest. I'm not going to go into it too far right now. Basically, I, I, it wasn't that big a deal what Khabib did. Khabib is a good dude. He was just emotional in the moment obviously what Conor McGregor said to him did get to him but it didn't pan out the way he wanted it to by him making a mistake in the cage he waited till the fight was over before he flipped his lid jumped in the crowd which he should never have done but whatever we'll get over that the three dudes that jumped up on the cage and started swinging on McGregor they're pieces of shit those guys need to be kicked out of the UFC or the one that was in the UFC they need to they, I mean they're criminals that's assault we don't need to just start swinging on on fighters just randomly they've got nothing to do with the, the conflict between McGregor and Nurmagomedov um, so apart from that, whatever, pay the man his money, fine him a couple of hundred thousand dollars, pay him his money, give him a suspension for whatever six months, and let's move on with, on with it, mate. Uh, I, I don't think it's, I don't think Conor McGregor's too bothered about it. He knows he's done bad shit to hype fights and, and in the heat of the moment himself. Nurmagomedov, as I said, is a good dude. He just flipped out. Yeah, punish those dogs who, who jumped in and started swinging on McGregor in the background, and just let's move on with it. I don't think we need to discuss that too much anymore, but. It was a crazy, crazy fight. It was a crazy after-fight fight. I was going off while it was happening. It was pretty awesome to watch. Even though I was disgusted by what happened, there's that part of you that's, you know, you love to watch it. It was exciting. I do love the entertainment, and even though I don't agree with what the dudes were doing, <clears throat> I was peeking out. I was loving it. I was excited, and, and it was entertainment. And when everything's when everything's been through the wash and it all all the dust settles, it's just going to be something that we talk about, that crazy fight after the McGregor-Khabib-Nurmagomedov fight. So... Um, that's where we have it. That's where it sits at the moment. Uh, McGregor wants the rematch. He probably doesn't deserve a rematch. If you just look at um, who's in line for a title fight, what's been happening in the lightweight division, how long he was out, all these kind of things. But it was the biggest pay-per-view the UFC's ever done by a fair bit. And the rematch will be even bigger. So I, I dare say um, they're going to get that rematch somewhere in the next year. I'd like to see McGregor have a tune-up fight in the middle somewhere, perhaps, because he looked a little bit, um, maybe he looked a little stiff, had a little bit of ring rust from being out of the octagon for two years. So that could have been part of the reason he didn't capitalise in that third round and really take um, uh, take advantage of his, his opportunity. But maybe do the fight with Nate Diaz in between, but the problem is if he loses a fight between now and then, then that fight's off. So you kind of got to hedge your bets. Do we give him another fight in the middle now to keep him active, especially if Khabib is suspended? Do we give him another fight, let him get a win, let him get some more um, cage time, and then do the do the uh, rematch next year? That would be awesome if he wins the fight. If he loses the fight, though, it's 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 really a bad way to end a career and end, end the whole story. So you got to hedge your bets there and weigh that one up. And people who make a lot more money than me will be making those decisions. So we'll just see pan out. We'll see what, how that pans out. What happens over the next few months with it? But I'd love to see the rematch, even though I know really Tony Ferguson deserves the fight, the title fight next. But that's just me. I, I like the entertainment factor of it, and yeah. Um, but I get it. 
I get it if you don't want to see him get that rematch, if you think he doesn't deserve it. I get it. 100% right. You are right. He doesn't deserve it. But personally, I know that's what I want to see, and I know that's probably what the, the UFC will be pushing for because of the De Niro's. For that moolah, baby. Um, all right. I want to move on from uh, current events in UFC now, and we've got a little, something a little bit different to do today. I just want to check the time, see how we're going um, as far as how long we've been recording. Okay, a little bit half an hour. Um, so I wanted to tell a little bit of a story um, on the podcast today, and it's sort of a continuation of a discussion I've been having with people over the last few years, and something I just want to I want to be a part of opening this discussion up. It's about race in this country. And all parties involved and how we all play our part. And um, I'm just really big on um, having a discussion around these things. Uh, I just want to tell a little bit about, about, about my background and why I think I'm in a good position to discuss this from both sides. And then I want to talk about the landscape as I see it and, and, and where I'd like to see it go in the future. So what sparked me to, to discuss this on the podcast this week was, one, like I said, there's not a lot of current events going on around the Pilbara at the moment so um, it's a good opportunity this is a current event really in, in the Pilbara this is, this is something that people who live here uh, are involved with every day and it's part of our identity up here so um, really this is a community-based podcast I want it to be real I want it to connect to people uh, I want it to open up discussions that mean something so this is an opportunity to do that uh, it was sparked by, I heard some people talking um, earlier in the week about a specific house that was um, occupied by uh, indigenous, you know, like some blackfellas and had been, you know, abandoned and, and sort of trashed. And the the way they described the house was, it, uh, it was a coon house. And it made me cringe, it always makes me cringe. But the people who said it, the you know, people are here talking like this, typically, and, this, and in this case as well, specifically, are not bad people. It's ignorant. And that's not like they have this derogatory uh, way of thinking towards all, all Aboriginals or all, all blackfellas. It, it's more, uh, I guess, a certain type of blackfella they're talking about. They wouldn't just meet someone down the pub um, or at footy or through the footy club or, you know, you'd be introduced to someone to barbecue and they're an Aboriginal, so you, you think of them as a coon, you know, or bong, what other bloody words I hear people using. Um, it's a specific person they're talking about, someone who's typically you know, unemployed and drinking piss all the time and walking around in dirty clothes and trashing houses and that kind of shit. So it's a specific kind of person they're talking about, but they generalise and they've got a term for them, and it's just ignorance. It's ignorance, and, and, and I guess that's part of my approach to this whole subject is I don't get offended, I don't get, I don't get upset, I don't accuse these people, I don't blame them, I don't think they're bad people. I just think it's an, uh, a lack of education, it's ignorance there, it's people who haven't changed from their old ways and I think that's why we need to open up a discussion. Um, being upset, being politically, politically sensitive and, and, and getting outraged over the way people talk, that's a good way to shut down conversation on both sides. So. To hear somebody say something and get offended and want to attack them, want to tell them how wrong that is and how much of a bad person they are, you're not going to get anywhere. You're shutting down the conversation right there. You're better off looking at their motives, looking at that person. Are they are they a good person? Yeah, they are a good person. This person can, can be educated. We can have a discussion about it, and we can help move the whole um, the whole culture uh, along. So 
and that's what I want to do. And um, I guess I want to. I should start by explaining why, for anybody that doesn't know me well, why I think I'm in a good position to talk about this. So I'm in a, a relatively, I wouldn't say unique, but a relatively rare situation where I am Aboriginal, uh, but I was brought up basically as a standard white Australian family is brought up. Any only is brought up in a standard white Australian family. Now that is because, um, so my my dad is Aboriginal on my dad's side, and he was born in 1948 to a single woman, Aboriginal woman in a small community, Trangy, outside of Dubbo in New South Wales. Uh, when he was born, um, my grandma was ashamed of the fact that she was Aboriginal. Uh, I suppose as the climate was very different back then, especially in a small rural town. Religion had a lot to play with it, culture, po- politics. There was, was still around the st- time of the Stolen Generation. They were still taking people's babies away from them back then, Aboriginal babies away from Aboriginal families, raising them in white families. There was a lot of shame about being Aboriginal, attached, uh, attached to being Aboriginal uh, in her mind back then in that town. And um, she never told my dad that he was Aboriginal. When you, if I tell you now and you see a picture of him, yeah, you can tell he's Aboriginal, but at the same time, you could, we also have been mistaken for Italian or, or some other sort of ethnic group plenty of times in, in our life. It's not like you just look at him and go, he's 100% Aboriginal, there's no way you could look in the mirror and, and not realise you're Aborigin, uh, Aboriginal. When you're brought up a certain way and you're not told certain things and you are told certain things and uh, you don't have uh, access to, to networks of media and social media and TV, even TV and, and shit like we do now um, and you, you just accept your reality as it is he, he was never race was never spoken about he never realized it he was never told about it uh, he never knew his dad never knew his father so he grew up just assuming he was like everyone else all the other white kids around um, it wasn't until he was in his late 20s or 30s that you know through a set of um, circumstances he discovered he was Aboriginal then approached his mum about it, and she refused to speak about it. And this has been a trait of my grandma all the way until she died um, last year. Um, this refusal to, to speak about anything that she was ashamed about um, or anything that upset her or caused her any distress. She wouldn't talk about it. She shut down. That was the end of the conversation. He went and spoke to his aunties and cousins about it, and they all knew they were blackfellas. You know, they talked to him, like, talked to him, looked at him like he was an idiot. Of course, we're blackfellas. All we've been called Kurus our whole life, Chris. You know. Um, he was the only boy, he was the only male in the family. There was three aunties, uh, no sons, so his cousins are all females, and I guess they got called Kuris and, and, and picked on and things like that, and, and the crew he ran with and all that, it just was never mentioned. He never had a problem with it. He never had to face that uh, that fact. So he was brought up as much as his mother could as a, as a normal white Australian, and my, my um, parents and my my grandparents on my mother's side they're um, they're white Australians so they're from their country stock you know my granddad was a, a wool merchant did some cattle droving you know they were sort of like rugged out back out, outdoor farmers types um, he you know Pop had an Akuba on his head t- probably till the day that he died uh, they lived in a little country style house in Dubbo you know so that's their that's my upbringing uh, on that side is your real old school white sort of working class Australian family then this other side where it was kept secret and hidden and they were ashamed well my grandmother was ashamed of the fact that she was Aboriginal and dad really never knew about it till he was in his 30s so we were all brought up just like a normal uh, white Australian family uh, well normal if you if you grew up with a Baptist minister for a dad as I did as normal as it can be um, 
which is fine. I'm just it's obviously there's certain difference differences to um, a non-religious household or a household where your dad's not a minister anyway. But brought up like everybody else, more or less. But we are Aboriginal and um, have since you know uh, have since embraced that culture, um, that side of our our heritage, and it sort of gives you that both sides of the coin. So. Um, I guess as well, one of the things I love about the Aboriginal culture is whenever you speak to normal white folk about um, heritage, they always want to say, oh, so, so um, who, was, who was the Aboriginal or how many, uh, uh, how, how much Aboriginal do you have in you? Are you one-eighth? Are you one-sixteenth? And there's all these bloody fractions they want to use and shit to define it. And that's white people. And you speak to any black fellas about it and say, and, or, you know, and it gets mentioned that you're Aboriginal, they go, oh, yeah, he's a black fella. And that's it. End of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, you're a black fella. And I love that, mate. There's no like, oh yeah, who was black? Was your mum black? Your dad black? Yeah, who, how, how many uh, generations ago was it? Uh, how, well, you one sixty. They don't give a shit. Yeah, you're a black fella. That's it. Yeah, I can look at you and tell you're a black fella. That's what a lot of them say. Yeah, yeah, I can tell that. See, so you're a black fella. <laughs> so I love that about them, man. They just like, I suppose that culture's had so much uh, damage done to it, so much lost, um, you know, um, language, so many numbers, stories. Uh, so much knowledge lost that you know that they're not going to be picking mate. If you if you're a black fella, you're a black fella. You're part of you're part of it. You're one of us, and and that's it, mate. So I love that about them, and um, yeah, it really makes you feel like you belong when you're hanging out with them and you're around them as well. And that's that's all they give a shit about. Um, so <clears throat> so this where do I start with this 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 whole culture. Um, Again, like I said, I think the, the most important thing is that we speak about it. Uh, people, people are always so cautious not to say the wrong thing, and they don't want to uh, step on any toes. And people also like to get offended very easily. And people on both sides of the discussion have been typically uh, guilty of this. But like I said, that's a conversation killer. And if we can't have a conversation about something, then we can't move forward. So I grew up around. Like I said, mostly white kids. I was in Karratha till I was eight years old, so I was around plenty of black, black fellas there. But I was in Perth from sort of age um, nine to age sort of twenty-five or whatever it was, twenty-six. So I grew up around as a te- as a young kid and then a teenager around mostly white kids. And I hear a lot of people using words like coon, bong, nigger. Koori's not one so much we use over my, over in Western Australia, but I know that's another derogatory term. And you just hear people using those terms, and it's kind of just normal to you. Um, then think about much think, think about it much as a kid. You hear adults talking like that. You hear other kids talking like that. And then you know you don't grow up with too much too much of a cultural diversity. I didn't at the time, so you never really think about it. It wasn't until I hit my early twenties really, and I started you know I left school. I started hanging out with more culturally diverse people. Uh, you start thinking that some of that's a little bit harsh and then I think it was when I was 19, 20, maybe something like that, 20, it might have been 21, 22, I um, started working for a dude who was, um, he was English but he was, his parents were from Barbados and he, he'd been adopted into a white family in England so he was English as they come but also black as they come and I was working with this dude who I have a lot of respect for, um, he was a really good guy, good to me, gave me a, a good chance at my, the age I was in my career and taught me a lot. And I'd be hanging out with him, working with him during the day, and then hearing people say, like, coon and, and nigger and stuff like that on, on the weekends. And I just started getting really squirmish, just like squeamish with that word. It really started making me feel uncomfortable. Um, I made sure I never 
uh, as I got more mature, made sure I never used any of those derogatory terms and then started sort of calling people out for it. Not calling people out, just letting people know that, hey man, I don't want to use that term, maybe don't say that around me anymore. Um, as I got older and then sort of you get more confident and comfortable in yourself and the, the, your ideas and views and, and things really start to solidify, it became a thing that, yeah, just don't talk like that around me, you know. Um, but then, you, 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 as I said earlier, you do hear people just drop words like, you know, uh, a, bunch of, a bunch of coons, something like that. And I think, oh, this guy's not a bad guy. Why are, you, why are you talking like that? And generally, it is out of ignorance. And it's always a weird subject to approach, but I think it's always important to just say, you mean black fella, which is why I'll say it, because I don't want to be chast- chastising people. I don't want to be like high and mighty, like, oh, you don't speak like that. You don't know how people grew up. You don't know what kind of experiences they've, ha- they've had. You don't know what they actually really think about that, the, the people and the cultures. Uh, I don't think you should use that word, but again, I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not your moral compass. I'm my own moral compass. And I can just say to them, you mean black fella. And then generally they'll go, oh yeah, 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 black fella. I say, yeah, man, yeah. Probably, probably best not to call them that. Would you call it that? To, would you call them that to their face? That's, that's another another thing I like to hit people with. Would you say that if they were standing in front of you? If not, you probably shouldn't talk like that. And that goes for anyone. You, you know, would you call somebody? If you wouldn't call somebody something to their face, you probably shouldn't say it behind their back because that's weak. So that's what that's how I, I grew up around that. And and I, and and. and like I said, I didn't really think about it much until my 20s. And then as I've become more, as I said, uh, confident and comfortable in my views, it's become something that I really want to have discussions about and I want people to feel comfortable talking about. I want people to be able to talk to me about it. I want blackfellas to be open to hear people talking about it and give us their point of view. And I'm trying not to get angry, man. I know that there's a lot of bad things that have been done. Um, from white Europeans, white Australians to, to um, indigenous Australians. I hate using those those terms. White people to black fellas. I know there's a lot of shit that's been done over the over the years and continues to be done now. Um, but anger is just one way that's going to shut that down and make sure that divide and that barrier stays there, man. So as far as the, some of the biggest jumps I've seen in culture recently in the right direction, uh, the conversation has has begun to to open up back and forth. A um, couple of guys who are doing a really good job of it. Are uh, MCs Trials and Briggs, two Aboriginal MCs. They're from different groups, respectively, and they've got a group that they made together called AB Original. Obviously, written as Aboriginal when you see it. AB Original. They've got some wicked tracks. Um, they use good lyricism, great beats, good production. They're on um, Golden Era Records, which is Hilltop Hoods record label, and they use uh, good like uh, humour as well to. to um, to break through the ice and break through that barrier and get their point across. Now, I don't agree with everything these lads say, and I don't have to, and that's that's fine. But I like the the point, the fact that they're having a conversation. They got a they had put an album out a couple of years back. Can't remember the name of that album off the top of my head. But there's there's tracks on there that goes into um, their opinion on police and police brutality and, and police discrimination against um, black fellas in this country. Which is understandable and fair enough. I happen to have uh, one of my best mates is a, a police officer. However, he works uh, he works up in Broome and he works for the PCYC, so it's like police, police something, youth community. So basically, he's a police officer that works directly with the young indigenous fellas in the community. Um, he's anything but racist, mate. He's there to help make a difference in, in young Aboriginal men. And we, I don't know if I'm sure how many girls they have involved with it, but to, definitely to, to to be involved in the the young black fellas. 
um, lives up there and take them out camping and, and just try and be there and, and um, make bridge that gap between law enforcement and the local um, Indigenous community up there. So I can't get down with them saying that they hate cops and and, and, and just basically just a, a blanket statement about how cops are pieces of shit and um, that was the general vibe of a couple of the tracks on there and I don't get down with that. Um, but I, again, I understand the sentiment. Um, and again, they, they have an, another track and on several interviews and whatnot, Briggs especially is pushing for this whole change the date movement. And I'm sure people have heard of this change the date movement or perhaps seen hashtag change the date. I know Triple J got involved unnecessarily, in my opinion, this year and changed the date of the Triple J Hottest 100. So it's not going to be on Australia Day anymore. They're trying to distance themselves from Australia Day, also known by some as Invasion Day. Uh, I actually don't think we should change the date of, of Australia Day. And again, I'm coming from this as um, uh, as an Aboriginal Australian who's brought up as a white person. So I see both sides of the, the of the argument. I see both sides of the coin. I'm, you're not going to offend me. You're not going to upset me. That's my opinion. And, and, I, and the reason that's my opinion is because I don't think the right thing to do is change a, 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 a historically significant day and yeah, sure, it's just it's just a day that they've named. I'm sure that day uh, isn't may not be historically 100% uh, accurate, but it's it's a day that's been labelled as historic historically significant, and it represents something. Um, we don't you don't just push that aside and stick, stick a blanket over it and then move on from it and call it Invasion Day and walk away from it and change the holiday. That's not going to do anything. It's not going to do anything. You're just going to piss off more people. I think what you do is change the way we approach Australia Day. Change the way we think about it. Change the way we teach our youth about Australia Day and what it means. Australia Day, it has to be called Australia Day because we, this is Australia and we all are Australians. Whether you're Muslim, uh, Aboriginal, white European, whether you just moved over here from bloody Yugoslavia last month and you want to live here for the rest of your life and work and, 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 and contribute to society, you're an Australian. No, I don't give a fuck. No one I know gives a fuck. We're all Australians. We're all here trying to do the, th the right thing. If you're here for the benefit of, your, of yourself, your family, and this country to be a part of it, then you're Australian, as far as I'm concerned. Now, what we can do is perhaps, these are just suggestions from me, and I'm sure other people have their own suggestions, and this is just a discussion. It's just a conversation. You can disagree. That's fine, but throw your hat in the ring and, and, and uh, give your your point of view and your solutions and your, and your uh, opinions on it in whatever way you can. I think that we could start the day out with some sort of commiseration ceremony, discuss the fact about the horrible things that the Europeans did when they got here, the people that were killed, uh, the culture that, and knowledge and languages that have been lost, the lands that have been taken. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it, man. Let's have a, a ceremony where we commiserate that. Um, and, and remember that just like we do on the morning of Anzac Day and then we can move into where this country is heading now and how we, uh, we want to band together as Australians and how we want to move forward as one, as one cultural group and then we can change the way that you know people are, are approaching that whole day 
And, and again, I don't think that changing the date is, is a part of it. I think it's just changing the culture around it, changing the way we discuss it, changing the way we talk about it. So maybe it doesn't need to be White Bogan Day anymore, which it has been. And it was when I grew up. And it was all, we'd just go around someone's house, get a cheap two, you know, $10 Australian flag, wrap it around your shoulders, drink as many, as many beers as you could, go into the city, watch the fireworks, get in a bunch of fights, smash some bottles, <clears throat> act like complete fuckwits and, and go home. Yeah, Australia Day. That's not cool. That's what not what it should be. We should move away from that for sure. And I'm sure, I know not everybody's always done that, but there's a huge swathe of our youth out there that that celebrate that way. Let's start with the commiseration service. Let's make it something that's important to everybody to be involved in. This day and age, I see Anzac Day being treated by the youth just as importantly as it, as it is by the the elders and, and by the people who who are uh, who've served and who have been directly affected by it. If you if you don't want to get up and go down to an Anzac Day ceremony this day, this day and age, people will shame you for it. And I'm not advocating for shame, but I am. Uh, it is good to see that the culture is swinging towards that. People, are, you know, people are, are aware of it. People are proud to go, and it's something that you should do. And people know that you should do it. And and Australia Day, we should have some sort of culture built built around it like that. Let's wake up. Let's let's take the morning to commiserate the damage that was done to the original culture that was here. Um, let's discuss those things. Let's um, maybe we could start uh, um, honouring some specific uh, Indigenous Australians around the country on that day, on that morning, and then we can discuss the culture as it is now, where we want to head, how we want to head there all together, and then we can just change the entire way we we um, address the day. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. And let's see some more Aboriginal flags around too, hey? Let's see some more Aboriginal flags around on that day. I'm not even mad at getting rid of that Union Jack up in the top left-hand corner and putting the Aboriginal flag there, but that's just me. I know that we're part of the Commonwealth. Again, I'm allowed to have an opinion, and so are you. If you don't want to get rid of the Union Jack, that's fine. I, for one, would be... I would love to see it up in that top corner, mate. Have our own flag. Anyway, and let's get rid of that piece of shit national anthem. Can we say that? Can I say that without upsetting anybody? That national anthem is terrible. Let's get something new. We are one, but we are many. How about that? I'm just throwing it out there, man. <clears throat> So, um, let me just have a quick look at my notes here, see what I haven't haven't gone, uh, haven't missed yet. We we got to get rid of this, um, this the taboo around uh, the discussion. People can't be afraid to, to say their opinions. People need to stop being so ignorant and saying the words like coon and bong and stuff like that. It's fucked. Don't say those words. They're horrible, offensive, disgusting words. You sound like an idiot when you say them. You sound like an idiot when you say them. You sound like an ignorant. Uh, un- uneducated, uncultured person. That's what you sound like. Not saying you are if you use that word, but that's what you sound like. You know, you sound like a redneck. Redneck Americans sound like these coons. It sounds. You sound dumb. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's offensive to people. Okay. I know you don't n- think about it when you say it, but it's dumb. It sounds dumb. And if you just want to say it anyway and you don't give a fuck about what I'm saying, well, then that's up to you, man. You, 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 you sit with those, the, those repercussions on your, on your shoulders. But I think a lot of people don't mean to say that. They don't realise they're saying it. They don't realise <clears throat> how much it upsets other people and that the, even if you're not talking about the normal, you know, your mate such and such from down the footy club who's an Aboriginal, you're offending him when you say that, when you talk about other people that way. That's the truth of it, man. But we need to get rid of the taboo. People not, need to not be so upset. And if you hear, if you're a black fella and you hear somebody talking like that, you can have you can have a yarn to them and not get angry and not get aggressive and just say, "Hey, man, you know I'm a black fella. You know I don't like you when you talk about my people like that. You know, 
Have you ever considered how do you make us feel? That, that opening that discussion there, I'll bet you would get somebody directly, straight away, Shane for the way that they spoke to you. Maybe they don't have an excuse. Maybe they could apologize to you right there and then, and that really might make them think twice about talking like that ever in the future again. And a lot of time people just haven't... Uh, uh, haven't reflected on the way they talk, on habits. They just haven't gone over these things and thought, man, is that really how I should be talking in 2018? A lot of times they just haven't had that reflection, man. They haven't been in a situation where they've been confronted with the reality of the things that they're saying. So just have a conversation with people. Let's not make things taboo. Let's open it up, man. Um, and as well, one other thing I, I want to touch on before this gets away from me another 10 minutes um, I hear a lot of white people saying and I've heard this throughout the um, always I've always heard this um, about people saying oh you know the Aboriginals are always whinging about this whinging about that they just need to get over it they just need to get over it you know I haven't done anything to them I didn't I didn't steal your land you know nothing happened to you blah 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 this kind of uh, blow it off push to the side that's also not helpful that's really arrogant right these people what you have to understand about the Aboriginal people is <clears throat> traditionally something uh, they've only been a part accepted into this culture in the last within the last hundred years. I mean, what were they allowed to vote? Like, what was it in the sixties or seventies? Something ridiculous like that. I think women were allowed to vote before the Aboriginal people were allowed to vote, and that was quite, it was only you know, uh, it was only a couple of decades between them. So these things are still fresh in the minds. You're still talking about people whose parents or grandparents have grown up with huge amounts of discrimination and have seen horrible things happen to them. And also, traditionally, Aboriginal people talk about their history. They tell it in stories. They don't write history books like we do. Yeah, they have rock paintings and, rock, and, and things like that, but they're for hugely significant um, uh, cultural events, and it's not all tribes and not, not, not all mobs that, that, that do that. So what they do is they tell their stories. They talk about their stories. Traditionally, you know, around the campfire at night, you tell the younger generations about the stories over and over and over again. They verbalize it. They memorize it. They tell it to the next generation under them, and that's how they remember things. That's how they carry their story on. So when they're talking about things that happened in the past 50 to 100 years, oh, they're always talking about it. Just get over it. No, they're not going to get over it. That's how they carry their history and their culture on. Yes, I understand these things are written in history books now, but you're talking about a pe people's culture, what they're inclined to do. That's what they do. They talk about their culture. That's how they pass these stories on. So of course they're always talking about it. You know, it's not whinging. It's a, it's a cultural difference between us. We read about shit in a history book and then don't give two fucks about what happened to the generation before us and move on with our life. That's on us. That's not how every other culture is. We, I'm gonna say we. I'm talking about the white European side of me. <laughs> So imagine me as like a, a schizophrenic here or, or like split personality. I'm, I'm arguing from the Aboriginal side then I'm talking from the, the white European side as well. It's, it's like two of me going on the, in, in my brain here, which is actually fairly accurate. There kind of is two people inside my head on any given day. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. Um, I think I've probably... I can go on about this really all, all day, but it's kind of better if I have... A person to bounce off and go back and forth with so that might even be something to look at doing in the future maybe getting somebody on here who'd like to have a discussion about this and go back and forth a little bit with them but as far as me on my own without it sounding too much like a lecture I think that's probably as far as I can go with it at the moment um, yeah I think I've covered most things I want to I want to talk about the main message I wanted to get across was just that I, I, I like hearing the discussion. I like hearing people talk about whether we should change the day or not. Triple J, you cooked it, all right? You the music that we li listen to on Australia Day, Hottest 100, has nothing to do 
with the cultural differences and the and the, the uh, and what happened to the Aboriginal people and and all those sorts of things. It's a day. It's a public holiday. We're all off work. We're all listening to the radio. We like to listen to Triple J's Hottest One Hundred. The the what you did wrong, right? What they did wrong is they made it about race. They made it about two different cultures and they changed the day. Wrong. What that Hottest One Hundred does is erase. The, the borderlines between cultures. What that Hottest 100 does is gets a huge swathe of the country all listening to one radio station and, 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 and a group of music that we all collectively voted on at the same time, at the same day, counting down at the same time. We forget about race, religion, colour, culture, all that kind of crap. We listen to the music. What did we all like? What kind of music touched us and reached us? What were we all collectively agreeing on on this day? That's what it does. It brings us together. And you went and moved it onto another day so that it, so that it gave it gave more cultural significance to the fact that Australia Day has been known as Invasion Day and all these horrible things happen. And, and, and you finger marked it by doing that. Bring it back. Reverse your stupid decision. Australia Day is on. Uh, Triple J Hottest 100 should be on Australia Day it's a great way for us all to get together sit there next to each other listen to music which has no colour no race no skin doesn't care about that it's music it's talent it's it's something that brings us all together and it's something that we could all agree on and listen to and just like I said connect all of us could connect about that uh, um on that one day about a bunch of different songs great songs the best songs over the last year and it shouldn't be moved it should be something that stays on that day because it should be a part of the of this new way we approach Australia Day, Australia day that I'm talking about commiseration service in the morning discuss about um, where we want to go as a country as a culture into the future and then we can all sit back and, and listen to the best songs of the last year as voted by all the people whatever colour uh, or religion they are uh, as voted by all of us over the last um, year and sit down and listen to it collectively and it brings us all together. So that was a fuck up. That really pissed me off. Um, I like the discussion though. I like that this, um, uh, like I said, AB Original talking about it. I hear more and more people talking about um, whether we should change the flag or the, the um, national anthem and all these kind of things and disagree. Disagree all you want. That's fine, but have a conversation. Don't get angry disagree tell us why you disagree um, people fought and died for that flag part of the part of the uh, Commonwealth too I get it I understand that's a point of view it's valid we're allowed to open these things up and talk about it without discussion nothing moves forward and we just get resentment so um, yeah that's it man I'm just I'm, I suppose I'm just repeating myself now get rid of the taboo um, let's move forward let's all talk about it and I hope that this connects with some people and if it did get onto my Facebook page nobody's on there talking man I see people listening I see people are listening but no one's talking tell me what you like tell me what you don't like tell me what you'd like to discuss in the future if you're a local person in in Port Hedland um, or in the Pilbara up here and you want to come on and discuss something with me you want to have a debate you want to have a conversation you want me to interview you think you're doing something interesting you've got a business you're, you're an entrepreneur whatever it is get hold of me on Facebook let's tear it up We'll have a conversation. I want to get more and more guests on here, as many as I can. I want to get involved in this community. I want to open things up and have real-life, ongoing discussions and uh, just, yeah, keep moving forward and wrap this thing up. Um, I hope this this episode hit home and, and really hit the nail on the head a little bit better than the previous ones have. have. As I said, I feel like I was just maybe just blowing around in the wind a little bit the last couple. I feel like I'm back on track now. Um, I need to get on that radio station this week get that get that um, sorted out get my voice out there more I need to get some more people on the podcast um, and yeah just keep moving forward so 
hit me up. Let me know what you liked, what you didn't like. Thanks heaps for listening. I appreciate your time, as always. Um, and, yeah, that's it. Episode, what episode is this? Episode 15? Might be episode 15. Average Man Podcast, over and out.